Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So England's pre-Ashes injury worries continue with Ollie Robinson leaving Hove on crutches with an ankle injury. Who's in line to replace him if he doesn't recover? What does the starting eleven look like for Edge Baston next month? And we'll hear exclusively from England's all-time leading wicket-taker Jimmy Anderson as well as England batter Johnny Bairstow after he was named in the Test squad for the first time since August. And obviously we'll look back at the latest round of county championship action as Surrey win again and are Durham on course for another title. They're enjoying a 29-point lead at the top of Division 2. Surrey at 25 points clear at the top of Division 1. And we'll round up the week's other stories. Worcestershire edging a thriller against Leicestershire. And I'll get Harmy's thoughts on Zach Crawley's recent comments uh, in the media which were interesting so plenty to come over the next hour you're listening to the cricket collective here on talk sport 2 i mean let's begin with uh, ollie robinson then his injury was described initially as uh, or withdrawing from the game was described um as a precaution um but he was then spotted hobbling away from hove on crutches um with a moon boot on but but that's not necessarily indicative of how serious it is because even with a minor ankle injury, you want to get it stabilised as soon as possible, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've seen that with, in football with Bruno Fernandes a few weeks ago you know, on social media. You know, he left Old Trafford with a moon boot on, sat in his house with the ice machine on, with a moon boot next to me. And three days later, he plays at Old Trafford in a football match. So I think a lot of it is injury uh, precaution. But it's a worry, and it's a big worry because you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jofra and you know, how big of a blow that Jofra would be if missing. This might sound stupid, but for me, Ollie Robinson's a bigger loss for the England cricket team than Jofra Archer because over the last 12 months, 10 from 12, England haven't had Jofra Archer. Ollie Robinson's been an integral part, a crucial part to Ben Stokes and the, the bowling unit and why England have have won and been able to get 20 wickets. He's He turned a massive corner in his life, did Ollie Robinson. And I think the when he, he admitted it to himself that he had to have a, a reality check, a look in the mirror and a, a lifestyle change. And fair play to the boy for the way he's gone about it because he looks a lot fitter. He's bold with more aggression. 
when it comes to being able to bowl for longer periods um, and being able to stay in his pace over a long period of time. So hats off to him, fair play to him to that. And uh, I, I just hope he gets a chance to, to do it in the Ashes because I said before, that this could be the hardest, the harshest blow with the injuries that's been going around for Ben Stokes and for England because I think Ollie Robinson, I think they would have been seeing him to play in all five test matches. Okay, um, who would be his like-for-like replacement? I mean, I'm I'm trying to sort of categorise the the eight or nine bowlers who could play for England in the Ashes. You've got the three quicks, obviously, two of whom are injured, Archer and Stone. Um, Mark Wood uh, is your your sole 90-mile-an-hour bowler. You've got your swing bowler, Jimmy Anderson. Who is the replacement if Robinson is not fit? Is it is it Matty Potts or would Craig Overton come back into contention? I think Craig just got wickets for, for Somerset in the last round of County Championship matches just at the right time. So it wouldn't surprise me if Craig gets brought back into the squad. There's nothing against Craig Overton, I think. I'm not saying there's better bowlers out there, but I think England are in a, a tough place if they haven't to go back to number nine, number 10, number 11 bowler on the list um, because uh, you've got Wokes. Probably gives you a little bit more stability when it comes to batting. More so than Craig, because I think Craig, obviously, is a, he's a competent batter as well, that, that number eight spot. So I think something that England have to have one eye on, that and then number eight, the number eight spot being able to bowl. So does Sam Curran come into the mix? I think that will raise a few eyebrows when you know, listen to me say Sam's name, been playing IPL, not played any red ball cricket. But if Ben Stokes can't bowl and England's tail is, gets blown away and England's top order don't fire. Do England move everybody up one and bring Sam Curran into the middle and pick five bowlers and the fifth bowler being the bowling all-rounder where Craig uh, Craig Overton, Chris Wokes, Sam Curran comes into the, that conversation. So I'm sure these are the, conund- the conundrums that Rob Keane, the selection panel, will have. When it comes to the bowlers for the first test match, who replaces Robinson if he's not fit? Well, it'll be Stuart Broad. That would be the, the like-for-like ready replacement. Um, because I thought Broad just missed out in the first test for Robinson, Anderson and Wood. But it's starting to get threadbare now. Potts will probably play against Ireland. I don't think England can risk any of their frontline bowlers against Ireland in the first test match. So I think the Ireland bowling attack will be Wokes, Broad and Potts with a view that, fingers crossed, that Ollie Robinson's fit, that Wood... Anderson and Robinson will take the field at Edgebaston in the first Ashes test. Okay, we're just about to hear from Jimmy Anderson. He was speaking to Scott Taylor, our producer, um, uh, yesterday. But um, I'm trying to stick to our script, but I have to ask you about Stokes and the captain's bowling. I have it on very good authority that he's not been bowling in Chennai. He's bowled one over in the IPL, but he's not been bowling in the Nets. And that in itself is, is not sort of jaw-dropping news because I'm not sure that he's bowled in the nets for the last year or so. But he's, he is just going to try and, uh, and leave the bowling to, to the, free, the three frontline seamers. And you just sort of get the sense that he's going to bowl if he absolutely has to, um, having almost no workload and just hope that the knee stands up. Um, but like I said, he's been doing that for about a year. He has, but I think what you're going to find, I think, with Ben Stokes during these next six weeks, you're going to empty that tank. Everything in that tank is coming out for five test matches in six weeks, and whatever is left of his body after that, he'll pick it back up, put it back together, and get himself ready for the next big stage that he goes on, which 
probably won't be the, the 50 over World Cup. It'll be the, the, the challenge of India um, in India. So I, I've got full confidence that Ben will be fine. I think he'll bowl overs that he needs to bowl and be ready to, to go about his job that way. And when it comes to, from a, a team point of view, I fully expect Ben to be front and centre in everything that England do, whether it's with bat, with ball or in the field. I think you'll you will see a I think you'll see a different type of Ben Stokes to the one that we've had over the course of the last twelve months. I think in the last twelve months he's been trying to prove a point to his team that from a leadership point of view, that he needed England to play a certain way. Which sometimes to his detriment, he had to reinforce that message by the way he bowled, the way he batted um, and still getting his team to believe in him that this is the positive way to go. These are the right decisions to make. We are not going to, uh, we're not going to die wondering. We're not going to hold anything back. We're going to go positively at this opposition. Um, and sometimes that's been to his detriment, but I don't see that being like that in the ashes. I think we'll see a little bit more calculated of Ben. And I, I fully expect him to bowl whenever he needs to bowl. But the one thing he will have to be backed up by, he'll have to be backed up by three very fit, fully, fully fit seamers to do their jobs properly. And that, for me, is the biggest concern at this moment in time because this, because Australia's plan, if I was Australia, my plan would be simple. I'm going to try and whack Jack Leach as far as I possibly can and make sure Ben Stokes bowls because if he bowls, that might have a negative effect on his body and he's then that. We've seen in New Zealand manners. We were both in New Zealand. We've seen him take effect on his batting in that in that test match in Wellington. And that, for me, is what... That would be my ear plan from an Australian point of view. Can I get Ben Stokes the bowl by doing what Australia did used to do to all the spinners, which in, in my days was to try and whack him out of the park, make sure that the fourth seamer was, was always utilised. Right then. Jimmy Anderson was at Old Trafford last week. Launching the ECB's partnership with Radox, their new sponsor for the upcoming season. Here he is talking to our very own Scott Taylor. Jimmy, thanks for speaking to, to Talk Sport. You're, you're at Old Trafford today. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Radox. Uh, well, just um, announcing the, the new partnership, uh, the official shower gel partner of the England cricket team. So, uh, yeah, just here uh, working with them for the first time. You, you went off in Lancashire's last game with that minor groin strain. How is it at UK? Yeah, I feel good. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it kept me out of the rest of that game. But having had a scan, it's actually uh, not too bad. It's a, it's a slight strain. So 10 days, a couple of weeks should be absolutely fine. I've already started rehab and it feels good. So um, sort of the best result of a, a bad situation, really. So yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll be fit and raring to go once the Ashes come around. How have you felt this season? Because I've, I've seen... A lot of Lancashire this season. You've bowled a lot of overs so far. Yes, I've enjoyed it. We've 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 played some really good cricket. I've enjoyed getting back out with the the Lancs lads, and my bowling feels like it's in a good place. Um, unfortunately, we've not got the results we wanted. We've had five draws out of five games, so uh, yeah, it's been tough going. But um, yeah, I, for, for me personally, I feel like I mean my bowling's in a really good place. I'm happy with with how it's been going. And hopefully I can just carry that on throughout the rest of the summer. Let's talk about the Ashes then. People are saying it's probably the most anticipated since 05. How are you feeling ahead of it? I guess must be super excited to play a part in it. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like everyone's really excited about it. Probably the, the biggest thing is it's, it's been, what, a 
couple, couple of months, maybe three months into the New Zealand series in the winter. And um, we were all excited just to get back together and, and, and play some cricket again because we've, we've created something really special at the minute. The environment in the dressing room, the style of cricket that we're playing, it just feels like it's something that, you know, it feels like a really good place to be. And um, I, I just hope we can carry on that that style throughout the summer because, yeah, as you say, the the Ashes is a is a probably a slightly higher uh, pressurized sort of series than than any other we've experienced so far. Um, but I think if we can keep playing the, the way we have been, then then we should be uh, uh, in a good place come the end of the summer. You mentioned it's being more pressurized, probably from the outside as well, than any other bilateral series. How important is it then? away from cricket to to escape get time off time on the golf course switch off a little bit yeah definitely I I, I feel like you know something that Brendan and Ben have been really keen to create is actually a a, a good camaraderie in the dressing room uh, a place where people feel comfortable they feel relaxed and and we basically get to know each other a lot better um, and you do that I think in environments where you're, you're relaxed and having fun um, so we try and make the, the practice sessions that we have enjoyable uh, and a place where people communicate and try and get better and, and help each other out. And similarly, off the field, you know, we, we do play quite a bit of golf, you know, barbecues at one of the lads' houses or something, you know, just tr- try and get together in environments where it, it is relaxed and you can you can sort of speak honestly and openly and get to know each other better. Being as part of Brendan's team in the last year, you've played under several head coaches and over the years is that been the biggest drive to prolong your career even further just to keep being part of this this fun that you're having yeah I think so yeah I I feel like it's been a a really enjoyable sort of 12 months 18 months maybe and I think as long as I stay fit and my bowling's going well then I want to be a part of it and if I can certainly if I can feel like I can help the drive the team forward and keep winning games of cricket you know, I want to be around as, as long as possible. So, yeah, it's been a, a really good good year or so. What do you make of the, the depth in the fast bowling department at the minute? Joffre is in, injured at the minute as well. You've got no Jamie Overton, Bryden Cast pulled up for Durham, but there's still a lot of good international bowlers there. Yeah, I feel like we're, again, we've got good depth. You know, there's di- disappointing news about Joffre Archer this week. Ollie Stone has got another injury, which is, again, disappointing, but I feel like you look at the squad we've got for the that's been announced for the Ireland test and we've got Mark Woods back in, Chris Wilkes is back in after a couple of years out of the test team. So um, we've got good depth there and I think when you go into a, a, a series uh, or a summer where the tests come thick and fast, you know you're not going to just bowl uh, use four, three or four bowlers. You need a good, um, strong group of of, of bowlers like six or seven so I think it's uh, it's good that we've got that and I feel like all the guys that we've got around the group the ones that are fit can do a, an, an amazing job for us you've played in several Ashes series over the years what does that five letter word Ashes mean to you well I mean it's obviously uh, the, the biggest series that we, we play in as England cricketers um, it's the one that we all want to win but to be honest I think it's you know the, the as I talked about the sort of environment we've created we, we sort of take the result out of it and just focus on trying to be positive, trying to entertain people. I think that's really important. And I think I just hope we can carry on doing that this summer, make sure people go home happy, having watched a, an amazing day of cricket or an amazing game of cricket. So um, obviously the, the Ashes means that a little bit more because of you know the history of it and 
the, the rivalry, I guess, between Aust- uh, England and Australia. So there is that, but but for me, it's it's just another series trying to trying to win win games of cricket for England. Johnny talked about being inspired by the team in 05 and that's the way he got into cricket. Are you conscious of that even more so nowadays when there's a lot of talk about the future of test cricket but if you guys can put on a show and, and get more people into the game have you spoke about that within the dressing room at all or are you conscious of that? I think just naturally we're, we're conscious of it because that you know you, you always remember as a player that there was a time that you got into the game and why you got into the game and the players that you tried to emulate so we, we're very aware of that and we're aware there's obviously a little bit more attention around the Nashville series. So that's, I, th- I think, why, you know, you, you look at the 2005 Ashes, 2019, Ben Stokes at, at Headingley, those moments are more prevalent because of, of the, the hype that's around it. So, yeah, we're, we're that, I think that's part of the reason in, behind trying to play entertaining cricket you know, we want to inspire the next generation. We want to make, we want to show kids that Test cricket is fun, and you can have a great time doing it. And I've had twenty amazing years doing it. So I just hope that there are kids out there, and even if it's not this Ashes, whether it's a few years down the line, and they, they, there's someone that they they don't want to be, whether it's Ben Stokes or Stuart Broad or Joe Root or Ollie Pope. You know, I just hope that they're, they're, we are doing our jobs and inspiring the next generation. Yeah, what what have you you made of the squad? There's been a lot of noise. Obviously, Ben Folks is, is not selected, but you've seen a lot, lot of international cricket over the years. And I guess as much sympathy you have for him, international cricket is is cutthroat at times. Yeah, it is. I, I do feel for him. He's been brilliant for us uh, every time he's walked out on the field. But I think everyone knew before this summer started that difficult decisions would have to be made, especially if Johnny was back fit. Uh, and unfortunately, that's the way things have gone. What I would say is that it is a long summer and there's no reason why he can't play a part at some stage in uh, in this summer of Test cricket. Um, and I know for a fact they will definitely play a part in the future of this team because he's such a world-class wicketkeeper and his batting is just going from strength to strength. He's never let us down with the bat when he's been out in the middle. So, yeah, I do feel for him. Uh, it's, it is a, it's one of those tough calls. I think everyone throughout their career at some stage has probably been on the end of one. Um, but it doesn't make it any easier when it when it is your turn. Uh, and another person you, you said you had sympathy earlier is Joffre. Have you reached out for him? Because I can't imagine how, how the guy will be feeling just getting back into cricket and then suffering this hammer blow. Yeah, it's tough. Um, unfortunately, that's the, that can be the nature of the game, especially as a bowler. You, you do pick up injuries, but for him, you know, he's worked incredibly hard to try and get back, back playing. In the last couple of years, the elbow's been just niggling away at him and he's, you know, I think he's done everything he can to, to get back. But unfortunately, it's, it's flared up again and I just hope he's got the, the strength and I know he has got the strength and the ability to come back from this. You know, he's he's still fairly young. He's still got plenty of time to, to come back. I think he's got loads to offer uh, the game. So, yeah, it'll be incredibly frustrating for him. I know he'll be, a, he'll be down at the minute, but I, I hope for, not just for his sake, but for the, for England's sake, that we, we see him in an England shirt again soon. And just finally, on, on yourself, uh, do you, are you someone that goal sets at all? Because you mentioned the busy summer, six test matches in, in however long. But is this little injury a reminder not to look too far ahead because anything can happen at any time? Well, yeah, I, just, I never look too far ahead anyway. I think it's it's important to just 
try and get ready for the, ne- the next game, try and keep keep as fit as possible. Uh, I've been lucky that this injury isn't serious, so I can, you know, I'm confident I'll be fine for uh, it, fine in a couple of weeks' time. So I think as bowlers, we we realise that it is a long series and the, the test matches come thick and fast. I think we've got five in sort of six or seven weeks. So we know that it's not, we're not going to play all five. Uh, I don't think there's any bowler that would expect to play all five test matches. There's going to be times where there's injuries, there's, there'll be fatigue and things like that. So we'll, that, as we touched on before, the the strength and depth is is what's really important in a a big series like this. And I'm sure um, there'll be a, a few people that will be called upon. Um, and all we can do as bowlers is try and stay as fit as possible, recover well, and then get ready for the next game. And if you you know try and get through as many test matches as you can. That was England's all-time leading wicket-taker Jimmy Anderson speaking to our producer, TalkSport, Scott Taylor, as the ECB launched a new partnership with Radox. I'm laughing. Sorry, man. I don't know about it. I'm laughing. That Radox, if England want to win the Ashes and Jimmy Anderson has to play five test matches because everybody's fit, he's going to need a lot of Radox yeah. going in the bath at night to get, to get his body going for the next morning. Oh, no. Uh, he says that he wasn't. he's not expecting, none of the bowlers are expecting to play all five test matches, but he might have to. What stuck out for me there, look, um, it sounded like it may have been the third or fourth interview he'd done in a row. <laughs> but but what stuck out for me was when he said um, the Ashes is very important, but we're just trying to treat it like another series. And hopefully we can carry on entertaining people. And we'll take the result out of it. <laughs> I just thought, you what, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, I think somebody's been in his ear, but no, we look. I was with Jimmy the day before that interview on a, on a different, a different um, promotion day, and he was in good fell. Said he was he wasn't too bad when it comes to the grind. He fully expected to be fit to play. You always you're always worried about Jimmy. You can't not be worried about Jimmy because he's not a long term injury away from from being finished his career. He's, he's even a short term injury away from his career finishing, and that's with you know with every you know positive respect towards the great man because if he does a side or does a hamstring or growing goals properly there's a six seven weeks minimum and that's actually over and part of me wants him to play all five test matches part of me wants him to be on the on the field at the ashes finale at the oval because he'll have a decision to make on on where his career goes from there um i hope he gets a chance to do it and go out in in the right way and just look at it we're going to go back possibly and go back to the old garden if we want to win the Ashes, it's going to be down to the likes of Broad and Anderson again. And somebody who has been not been mentioned as much was obviously off the back of Joffre, because there's a lot of hullabaloo about Joffre's body and his fitness and whether he wants to play or he doesn't want to play. A lot of nonsense like that. Arguably, the most important man now to get through four test matches out of five will be Mark Wood, because if, if he only plays two and he's only available fitness wise for two, then. I'm not sure I see where England gets 20 wickets from. I really don't. Jack Leach is not your mystery spinner that's going to get five for and, and blow teams away. You know, Jimmy gets the conditions right. He could have a, a spell in the morning. We know how you know how good days that Stuart Broad have. We need our we need our fast man, and unfortunately, we've only got one fit, so we have to look after him and do him properly. And he, for me now, more than anything else, Mark Wood's the most important man in that England cricket team. Because England to get twenty wickets, they need their fast man to play, and unfortunately, I don't think he can play five. And I could gonna have to try and get him through four. Jimmy might have to do the same. 
You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Right, uh, time to hear from England batter Johnny Bairstow after he was named in the Test squad to face Ireland next month. It's the first time he's been named in an England squad since August last year. And ahead of the start of the international summer, he's been speaking to TalkSport's Scott Taylor at Old Trafford as the ECB named Radox as their new partner for the upcoming season. So, Johnny, thanks for speaking to us. You're at Old Trafford today. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Radox. Yeah, so, um, as you say, we're here with Radox, and uh, they're our new partner for uh, the year. It's uh, it's great, obviously, um, to have them on board uh, in such a, a special summer. Mm. Um, I think pretty much everyone up and down the country will have used one of their products at uh, at some point. So, um, so no, it is great. You're a Radox man yourself? I am actually, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, look, it's um, it's something, as we all know, getting showered after uh, a day's play or whatever it may be. It's uh, nice to feel fresh after it, after potentially a long day uh, in the field. Well, how are you anyway? I mean that genuinely because you've had a long time out of the game now. You've had a couple of games back for Yorkshire. How's it all going? Yeah, it's going good, thanks. Yeah, I'm happy... Uh, with how things reacted, like you say, it was um, a fairly long time out with the injury and a pretty tough uh, few months, but that's part and parcel of it. Uh, when you have a severe injury like that, it's there's not going to be just all ups, there's going to be some downs as well. What were the emotions when you took to the field for, for Yorkshire for the first team? That first time? <laughs> nerves, <laughs> mate, nerves. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely some nerves knocking around because, uh, well, first of all, there's an expectation of you when you when you're coming back and playing in the in the second team, an expectation of yourself, along with obviously what others expect as well. So, uh, I was really pleased to be back out there uh, and great to spend four days uh, playing against uh, Knots at Headingley, and um, yeah, it was great fun. It's great to have the gloves back, I guess. You, you, you're now in the Test squad as the wicketkeeper. That must be a good feeling for you. Yeah, look, it's something that I've done for. Uh, a good while so it's uh, it's obviously one of those uh, selection uh, conundrums that's been picked and uh, that's the decision that's being made so um, yeah I'll uh, I'll throw myself into it like I throw myself into um, every single time I go out there for uh, for England I'm very proud to uh, to go out there and represent England and nothing changes just gives an idea of and you mentioned the summer ahead with the ashes and stuff but people when people say they're injured they just recover, rehab, and then back on the field. People don't see what really happens in that rehab stage. Just gives an idea of how difficult it was for you. And also with the Ashes, was that the big driver when you had bad days, just thinking and targeting getting back for that Ashes? Oh, there's so many different uh, stages of, of rehab. You obviously have your injury and then uh, you go to hospital and then you have an operation and then your staples out and, and all that stuff. So there's there's many different stages of it. And then it's learning to walk again, learning to jog again, learning to run again, learning to bat again. Uh, so there's there's many different stages of it. Um, as for the comeback, you try and get back as soon as you can. I was originally trying to target and push myself to get back for the IPL. That decision was, was made for me not to go out there. Um, and then it was a case of, right, I need to uh, prepare myself to, to play for Yorkshire. Um, put yourself in a position that you're able to be in contention for selection for for the first team at Yorkshire in the first and foremost and then um, obviously there's there's the England uh, commitments that then come after if, if you get through those games. 
Now, have you had any talk with the England management? I know you're back in the side as the keeper, but about batting at seven, I guess that might be the plan for you. Look, there's been uh, there's been a phone call um, to say that I'm in the squad, mm. um, and you've heard uh, heard about that and the role. As for batting positions and everything like that, I think that's the the natural um, slot to to fit back into. Um, but I'm sure that that things change. We know that positions change. You don't know whether there's night watchmen coming in. You don't know what's um, what's going to happen. So that we'll play it play it by ear and and go with whatever turns out in the situation that uh, that that's dealt. Oh, Brendan McCullum said out in in New Zealand that once you're fit, you're coming back into the side no matter what. So during that rehab process, how important was it to know that no matter what, you've got the backing of the head coach, so you can purely focus on rehab recovery and not have that anxiety of will I get back into the side once I'm fit? Yeah, you. It's great to have that backing um, and the communication from Brendan, Matthew, Mart, and Rob Key, uh, and the rest of the lads has been been amazing throughout that process. There's always that bit in the back of your mind of, uh, will I get back to it? Will I get back to uh, being able to take the field again? How will it feel? What are the bits that, is it meant to feel like that? Is it meant to hurt? What's it meant to do? But um, yeah, there's always doubts. Things happen. It's not, it's professional sport. There are, definitely, it's definitely not a straight straight road. There's there's bends in it. There's bumps in it. There's, there's everything else that comes uh, with playing professional sport. So um, it's amazing to have the backing of it, but at the same time, you've got to put in the hard work in order to put yourself into a position that uh, you're able to um, be in the window to take the opportunity. I talked about what position you may bat or may not bat when you're back in the side, but how important is role clarity to you? Because you're probably one of the players who batted three, five, six, seven. Are you one of these players that just want to know what you're doing and then so you can just focus on that rather than bat all over, really? In many ways, I think that the the clarity in which Ben and Brendan have as a uh, as a duo is something that's fantastic and a, and a great trait of theirs. Um, it's it's something that everyone knows the role in which they're playing within the side, uh, and you're able to go out and execute that. Um, there's obviously been a clear plan and a clear vision as to how they want us as a group of players to go out and play, uh, which is a really exciting brand of cricket. Uh, I can see you smiling now because you're obviously looking forward to um, watching us this summer and like like yourself like a lot of other people have really enjoyed the last 12 months of of being a part of 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 watching the test side Mm. Um, and that's that's the exciting part of it uh, because people mentioned about test cricket potentially dying or going to four days and remember last summer day five of test matches with sold out crowds and that's exactly what you want to be doing that's what inspired us when we were youngsters um, that 2005 Ashes will live long in the memory of everyone that watched that and it captivated uh, people last summer definitely captivated people with um, English Test Cricket again and we'll be hoping to, to do the same this summer Yeah, you talk about 05 there what does the Ashes mean to you as a, as a player, as a person I guess? It's a huge series um, it's something that uh, you want to be a part of it's something that it's it's talked about a lot. It's something that is different to many other series. The rivalry of England Australia goes back many many years, um, and it's always an enjoyable yet tough series to play in because that's part and parcel of playing international sport. 
uh, never mind against Australia. And then there's always, yeah, extra pressures that come with it. But they're the pressures that you want to be a part of because that's the reason why you play the game, uh, to put yourself in those moments and uh, games in which uh, when the chips are down, you want to be able to stand up. How do you uh, deal with that pressure? So I guess the pressure of an Ashes is different to the pressure of a, a regular bilateral series from the outside anyway. Well, that's you putting it on that then, isn't it? <laughs> look, you can, you can look at it in different ways and people I'm sure will mm. uh, look at it in different ways uh, individually. You can put that, all that pressure on yourself and um, therefore you're under more pressure or you can actually uh, enjoy and relish the challenges of of the different series and that's that's the way that um, you've got to look at it. I saw today, it's 11 years since you, you made your debut in Test Cricket. Can you just believe it's been that long? Has it flown by for you? It's been a great journey. Uh, it's been an amazing journey and something that I've really enjoyed. It's taught me a lot of different things uh, on the field, individually, the ups, the downs, the uh, hard times, the uh, the good times and like I said to you, the the resilience and commitment that you've got to show to play international cricket is is something that I'm immensely proud of because it's not an easy it's not an easy road. It's something that sends you challenges, and it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you get back up. And in the next couple of years, you're on 89 tests at the minute, so you could potentially pass 100. Did you even imagine that against the West Indies 11 years ago coming in at Lords? No, I think that it's something. It's like a fairy tale, isn't it? It's something that you dream of as a as a, a young boy. Um, you look at people that have played a hundred test matches for the country, um, and you you don't think you can get there. You're pleased with just playing one. So look, if that happens, then that would be amazing. But we just need to focus on these next uh, these next few test matches, uh, the next period of time, uh, because if you get too far ahead of yourself, we know what can happen. And yeah, you talk about getting too far ahead of yourself. It, has the winter taught you that just being back playing cricket is the most important thing to you, regardless of who is it against, what format, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I've missed it. You just yeah. want to be out there playing with your mates and um, enjoying the good times and enjoying uh, each other's company, enjoying playing for England because sometimes and during the COVID bit especially, it was it was tough being in hotel rooms away from loved ones and and obviously this winter has been tough as well in a, in a completely different way. So being back out there with your mates, representing your country, uh, is definitely something that uh, I can't wait for and I'll be immensely proud to, to do again. That was England batter Johnny Bairstow speaking to our producer, TalkSports, Scott Taylor. Well, he was uh, he's in good form, Johnny. I, I think he's, he's done a lot of media since his recall. He's spoken with... Um, empathy and, and understanding about uh, the decision to leave Ben Folks out. He's obviously very, very excited. It was, it made some headlines. I made a lot of headlines when he talked about learning to walk again and fearing that he might not walk again. And, uh, you know, he was talking about his gait, his limp. And he said, you know, you, you break a leg as badly as that and you're not going to walk or run in the same way that you used to. It's all quite dramatic stuff. Yeah, it was. And, I said so when with Jimmy the day before Jimmy and Johnny spoke to Scott. Johnny was on the same promotion thing for the PTA, and he showed me the scar. You know, he, he got changed. He showed the scar quickly, telling me that he had lost a bit of weight as well. Since you know, because he he gets a bit of stick for that, and he was quickly, you know, I've lost a bit. I'm looking good, and he was telling me how 
how good he was looking. I said, well, I can't see anything because my mind just doesn't come off anymore. But his was, he was in such good form. He was in such good form. And he, you're right, the, the way he spoke about the decision. But he also wanted to be sort of reiterate, reiterate that he has kept wicket a lot of times for England. You know, 49 times he's kept for England. 500s at number seven, keeping wicket. And I think that sometimes gets lost and gets forgot about. And there's a couple of things in this for me. The the decision to leave Ben Folks out should not be put in the same bracket of the decision to pick Zach Crawley because that's what I'm finding. Whenever I spoke about the Crawley, the Folks and Bearstow decision, the, the name comes up all the time. Well, why is Ben Folks being left out and Zach Crawley not? They're two different arguments. They're two massively different arguments. And I understand them both. Ben Folks has not done anything wrong. He hasn't done anything wrong. And I feel 100% sorry for him. And But this is the nature of the beast. But Johnny Bairstow, he started this and he had to play. And there's nowhere else to fit him in. And he is a wicketkeeper. His numbers stack up. He has got a little bit of a limp, but he'll do a good job for England as a, as a wicketkeeper. I lived in a, in a generation where I grew up with Chris Reid, played under 19s with Chris Reid. Fantastic wicketkeeper, Chris Reid. Joe, Garrett Jones and Matt Pryor, from a, a glove point of view, couldn't get anywhere near Reedy. But Reedy couldn't get anywhere near Garrett and, and, and Matt Pryor. And their plan were the right call. You know, we, uh, the generation before me was Jack Russell and, and Alex Stewart. Jack Russell, the best gloveman probably that England have ever produced. But you could never pick him over Stewie, could you? Because Stewie gets hundreds in both innings in the test matches in the West Indies against fast bowlers. That, you know, the best in the world. These, these are decisions are made to make the team better. And that, for me, is why I think Johnny had to speak with you know, the empathy that he has from Ben's point of view. It's not Johnny's fault. He's fit. He's selection. Selectors have gone this way. But the thing I'm finding difficult is to try and... What people have got to do is they've got to separate the, the, the decision. The decision to pick Crawley and the decision to leave folks out cannot be brought together. You know, and that, for me, is, I think, what people are trying... I don't think we're understanding that. How can you leave Ben Folks out because he's done nothing wrong? But you could pick a guy at the top of the order who averages 27 in first-class cricket. They're two different arguments altogether. And I think that's why we've had so much attention on the on the, the best of Folks decision. There was all this talk, wasn't there, about uh, Ben Stokes or even Johnny himself opening the batting. And, um, you know, and I think that it was encouraged by the fact that uh, Brendan McCullum and Stokes himself have been so prepared to do things unconventionally but um i think common sense has kicked in here yeah know, and they they've made the right they've made the pragmatic decision man as i think the writing was on the wall when ollie pope kept the second test match in pakistan i think that was the writing on the wall for ben ben folks he didn't come straight back in the side because the balance of the side trying to get the you know the, the balance right and once ollie pope kept that second test match i think i always i've, I've been consistent for two years now i think Besto should be keeping wicket. I thought he was out of the team, out of the gloves, because England didn't have enough top order, top class batsmen to need just to concentrate on that. Now England have Ollie Pope, you know, Duckett's emerging, Ollie Pope, obviously Joe's greatness, Harry Brook, Ben Stokes. I think the only place Johnny fit in was was behind the stumps. And the notion of Ben so- Ben Stokes opening a baton, Harry Brook opening a baton for me just is mind-boggling we've had two opening batters in the last 30 years who have made a success of doing that in England and they've both got Sir in front of them you know Strauss and Cook Mike Latherton did a great job 
averaged r- roughly around about 40, but nobody, nobody really has made a success, a huge success at the top of the order. So it's a difficult place to go and bat. So to then have a team who has won 10 out of 12 and say, right, we're going to bring Johnny back in, but we're going to move three batters in different and put them in different orders. It just doesn't make sense. There's no point whatsoever. Opening batters bat, middle order batters bat in their place. And if you've got to fit somebody in, you know, you, you make a hard call. Rob Key, Brendan McCollum made a hard call, unfortunately. Ben Fox is the one that missed out. I wonder whether Michael Atherton will be knighted one day. Anyway, that's a topic of conversation for another time. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison. Next up in part three, we'll look back at round seven of the county championship as Somerset pick up their first win of the season. And can anyone stop Surrey at the top of Division 1? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Mandelop, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast on the following on feed, now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's begin with Surrey brushing aside Kent by 10 wickets. Last year, Surrey won the championship using more players than ever before in the history of the championship. 22 players they used, and I reckon they're getting on for 22 this year. They've only played six games. But seriously, somebody different puts the hands up every single week for uh, for Gareth Baddy and, and the Brown Hatters, Harmy, um, and I, I can't see anybody catching them. No, I can't see anybody catching them. I think they win the championship by, by with multiple games to go, three, four games to go. Same in the second division. I don't think anybody's going to catch Durham either. I think they're miles, they're both sides in their respective divisions, have got great resources. Balance of their side, very, very good. Surrey's got ridiculous depth. Durham's got a great firepower. But when you look at the Surrey side, can you imagine if England turned around and said, and they didn't have this game against Ireland, and everybody came back from the IPL, right, we want all our test players to play a first-class match before, because it used to happen, a first-class match 
before the first test match. Can you imagine the Surrey side? Who are you going to leave out? Be like Man City's team for the win the championship again. I mean, when the when they got given the Premier League trophy at, um, against Chelsea, about five hundred million on the bank. Can you imagine the Surrey side? They would just you'd be leaving test players out. That's what I would say. There would be multiple test players, multiple players with caps. Probably wouldn't get a game for Surrey if they had to pick their best eleven in a season. And that's great management. That's great recruitment. That's also being able to lead. And have a plan. And uh, Alex Stewart, Gareth Batty, our great friends, have have done that. They've made sure that when somebody goes out of the team, they are well rested, well recovered, and prepared to be play a second fiddle for when somebody comes to, for them to come back in the team. And when somebody comes into the team, they also understand that it's about the team and the the unity going. And I think that's what I think that's what they're doing at at Surrey. It's not about individuals. It's about the team playing as a unit and that's why they're so far clear and yes they're losing using loads of players but there's somebody the biggest thing for me is somebody different is get five wickets because you can get as many runs as you want but it is a batsman's game but bowlers win your matches batters set them up bowlers win your matches and every time you see Surrey with a win somebody else is getting five wickets and, and young Tom Laws has done that eight for 63 in the match uh, he bowled beautifully. He's seen some of the deliveries. He bowled really nicely. And, and, and to be fair to them as well, they've caught, they've caught well as well. There's a couple of low-down low catches and slips where on, a, on another day, on a cold day, you're thinking, ooh, I don't fancy that one. I tell you, you know about my theory. Uh, in the 35 years I've been covering first-class cricket, I'll tell you what, who I think wins matches. That's bowlers scoring runs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we're 180 for six. It's Sean Abbott and Gus Atkinson at... At eight and nine, I think they were. They made 78 and 55, and suddenly they got 360. Uh, just a very quick word on Saka graduate Arafat Boyan. 28 years old, played second team cricket for four counties, and finally makes his first class debut at the age of 28. Took four for 65 in the first innings, and not a bad quartet either. Pope, Smith, Folks, and Will Jacks. Fantastic. And it's great for Saka as well. I know on the, the sort of County Cricketer podcast, we've got George Dubell, who was a big pusher of, of that organisation, South Asian Cricket Academy, and they produced one or two players to go into different counties, um, but they performed as well. And I was at the Oval on the night time of, I think it was last Thursday, um, and I seen the boy bowl, and he bowled nicely. He ran in, bowled decent, aggressive into a good leg, and it was fantastic to see. I think he was bowling at Dom Sibley, I think, at the time. I think Sibley and Pope were going well overnight, and then uh, they lost a few wickets the next morning. So um, it, it, it is it's great to see, and it just shows you that if you do give a little bit of love and attention, you'll get rewarded and fantastic. You know, the, the two organisations are run brilliantly well. The two organisations have now got a platform and got funding to be run brilliantly well. And hopefully, we're going to see more players come out of them organisations that will benefit cricket. Love and attention but also opportunity um, and that's the most important yeah. thing. Uh, Somerset Middlesex is interesting. Um, I can't help thinking Somerset have underperformed in the first uh, six rounds. I mean you know, it's not not the worst bowling attack. Matt Henry, Craig Overton, Peter Siddle, Lewis Gregory and and Leach. But Middlesex also cure its egg. I mean <laughs> played six, one, two, lost two well, played one two being thrashed into 
and drawn to just sort of uh, no consistency at all there but yeah i mean this was a this was a thoroughly thoroughly one-sided game in, in many middlesex winning by an innings and 13 runs yeah it, it, it's weird because when you look at the teams you think yes you've just described that perfectly to a bowling attack we've got a lot of experience bowling attack we've got you know decent that's a catch when it comes to international honours when you look at Somerset but they haven't been able to win because they haven't been able to get 20 wickets and then you flip that over and you look at Middlesex and you go we're in the top order of Stoneman uh, Robson Eskenazi uh, Simpson uh, there's another batter in there and I can't remember who it is and you think that's experience there's a few in there playing international cricket Peter that's Milan. experience Peter Milan that's the other one and you go they've got some good experience you, you think they shouldn't be performing the way they're performing, but Middlesex's top order have been really poor this season, really poor. And I just wonder, you know, Manners, and we've had Mark Stoneman, and then we asked them a question about, do you feel at home? And I just wonder, with that that home feeling, that Middlesex, and not having a, a central build, not having that somewhere to call home, players always having to empty the dressing room because there's tours at your ground and I just wonder if that is having a, a negative effect on Middlesex right now that they are looking as though they're, they're a little bit lost not in not so much in sort of performance but identity more than anything else from a dressing room and a team point of view and I think that might be possibly shown on the field Right, um, elsewhere Hampshire back to winning ways with a Massive victory of their own. Innings and 135 runs. Northants bowled out for 56 in their first innings. There's <laughs> no way back from that. Although Worcestershire found a way back from being bowled out for 83. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but but 56. But Northants are going to do that, aren't they? I mean, we've been used to it in, in recent years now. And they've concentrated their resources on white ball cricket as well. And, um, you know, I think the red ball game is just a little bit hit and miss, mostly miss on this occasion. So, um, yeah, massive win there without Kyle Abbott as well. And Trent Bridge. So Alistair Cook made uh, half century in both innings. That game was drawn. Uh, my eye was drawn to Matthew Montgomery making 177 many years ago. I remember... He captained South Africa under-19s and uh, was being earmarked uh, for a long and illustrious international career. He's a very, very talented top-order batter, 177 for him. And uh, he's now playing on a British passport and uh, his, his allegiance is very much to England. So what uh, that, that game was drawn, by the way. Good effort from Essex in uh, the second innings. Yeah, good effort from Essex and mentioned them before. So Alistair Cook, 99. Oh, one more run to add to another, however many hundreds he's got, millions. Um, that It just shows you the hunger for the game that Sir Alistair's got. Hasn't had a huge amount of runs so far this season, but to get 50 and then a, in 99. In, I think we've heard that before when it comes to the Matthew Montgomery story. Think of one young man who I've seen closely growing up in Durham's academy. He came over from England, uh, South Africa on the 19s and he captained them and he's got an England cap now in Keaton Jennings. So Matthew Montgomery's not the only one that's captained in other countries. Um, young, young young team, Jason Galling did it as well, didn't he? Play for, play for Australia and then came over and played for, for England when it comes to 19s. But yeah, Cook against Broad, 
Is that the last time? Anderson and Cook play against each other a few weeks ago. Cook and Broad playing in the, in the game. Is it the last time we're going to see them three great, two of the three be on the field at the same time? Because I would imagine the wheel leg or the opposite game. I can't imagine Jimmy being available for Lancashire. And if Stewart is heavily used in the Ashes, I don't see him being available for the Notts Essex game later on in the season. So it might be the last time we see, you know, you've got a chance as a youngster to see the two greats on the field at the same time. So Alistair Cook has never scored a hundred in any yeah, any galley cricket Bridge. at at Trent Bridge. Was there a ground where you just never took wickets, where you just rocked up and thought, "Oh no, I can't stand this place." Heavenly wasn't somewhere I really enjoyed playing. Lords, my record at Lords is is decent, but I hated bowling there because the slope and everything that went with it. My batting one was the best. My batting the oval. I used to I couldn't miss it. The oval. Average. I average more than Don Bradman at the Oval. I mean, crazy. I think I, I do. I think there's only I think it's Steve Smith uh, and something stupid. So somebody, one of the researchers, put a stat out last year. I think it was. I think it's Steve Smith that I was the only person that averages more than me at the Oval. So, you know, I'm, I, I, we keep promoting my number number eleven strength. Batting wise, I was good at the Oval, uh, but bowling wise, Henley, I, I wasn't a big fan of running up that hill. At, uh, up that hill at Henley. How do you like the run down it? I was never a big fan of running up that hill at Henley. Um, but you get that though, don't you? You get places where you you think, as a footballer, I can score millions here. And then there's other places, it's like, I might, I might as well not even get off the bus. I might as well just stay on here. Because I'll be more used to, the bus will be more used than me when I'm when I'm going out there. So, but, you know, we're talking about 99 for, for a player who hasn't got a, a first-class 100, who's got millions of first-class 100s. He has not a bad career, so Alistair, has he, for not, for not getting runs at Trent Bridge? Okay, I'm going to tidy that stat up for you, courtesy of Scott Taylor, who's uh, just uh, done the research in a flash. Okay, we're talking highest averages by a batsman at a ground with a minimum of six test matches. 136, Steve Smith at the MCG. 131, Steve Harmison at the Oval and 128.5 Don Bradman at the MCG. So (laughs) that's not bad at all. (laughs) It's not bad. No, it's not bad. I always worked the theory that when I batted, it was either going to hit me on the toe, it's going to hit me on the edge. So I I always worked with it. I can score off one, I'll try and defend the other. Where the Oval, larger than the fact now, uh, big and big tall, the ball bounced at me. There was no way I was taking the short ball off because it was just too, it was coming at me too fast and too hard. So anything that was pitched up, it's quite short, straight. I just kept trying to belt it back to the bowler and then try to duck and get out of the way of the short ball. So yeah, yeah theory worked at the Oval anyway. All right, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Durham Hall of Famer, Steve Harmison. Let's get on to Durham then. We said last week and the week before that that they looked like a Division 1 team in the wrong division. And uh, they they are playing some terrific cricket. And I'm not just talking about the results because uh, Cambo, Ryan Campbell, is the players are walking his talk. He said they would play positive cricket. They scored at four runs and over, at least, um, in, in the six games that they've played. Really good to see Michael Jones back in the runs. It was a couple of years ago he had that prolific season. He's being talked about as an England prospect. Graham Clark also a uh, 100 but the man who's really caught my eyes, Ajaz Patel, scoring runs at number 11 and taking tenfers, and he's he's third-pick spinner. Yeah, third-pick spinner. I think third-pick spinner, fourth-pick overseas player, 
and he just pops in with a temper on his uh, on his debut. It's brilliant. Just shows you what it's like when you go into a team full of confidence. Can you imagine going in? This is with all great respect to Middlesex dressing room, but can you imagine an outsider, an overseas player, going in to try and perform and play in that Middlesex dressing room at the minute or the Northampton dressing room at the minute when you get bowled out for fifty six? Going into the Durham dressing room must be so easy at this minute in time. Coolman walked in, got wickets, and Ajaz Patel. He, yeah, he got he got a few runs at the, at the lower order, but he's got ten wickets in the match. Durham have won comfortably. Michael Jones, I've been saying for a couple of years now, he, was, he impressed me when I first saw him and still backed at the right tempo. But it's not their usual household names. It's not their England fringe players. Not the players who have David Beddingham, who obviously probably hosted playing for South Africa if he was if he was if he was back in South Africa. Graham Clark is one of the nicest lads I have ever met in cricket. He really is. His brother Jordan's down at um, down at Surrey. He played. You know, he come through Durham's academy. He nearly didn't. He probably he was probably thinking he wasn't going to get a red ball contract to start this season. Didn't play a great deal of, of red ball cricket, and he's gone and getting a first class hundred because Ryan Campbell's seen him play probably white ball cricket because he's more of a white ball player. But the thing about the thing I love about Graham is he, he's your he is your ultimate team person. He's somebody who on a Saturday when you haven't got a twelfth man, they'll ring Graham Clark. On a Sunday afternoon when nobody wants to come and do twelfth man, they'll ring Graham Clark and he'll say yes because he's just a nice lad. He is a really nice lad. So for me to see him get a hundred the other day, and see he's a late, late developer, this this kid's got talent. Proved that in the white ball game, he's now been given a chance in the red ball game, and he's he's repaired Ryan Campbell and Scott Borthwick's fit by getting a hundred, a match winning hundred. And I must admit, I, it was a real pleasure to see on social media the amount of outpouring of love from the England captain as well, Ben Stokes, because of what a good team man um, Graham Clark is, and and, and congratulate him on his on his hundred. Right, Worcestershire beat Leicestershire by three wickets last week. We were uh, extolling the virtues of Leicestershire's newfound resilience, the fact they hadn't been beaten, and uh, we put the curse on them. But but what a, what a way to lose as well. I mean, they're bowling Worcestershire out for 83. You know, obviously, you got to wonder whether they thought, well, we've got this in the bag now, but really good. It's been a it's difficult start to the season for Worcester, and they needed 274 in the fourth innings. They were thirty-six for three and one hundred and ninety-four for five, and they and they went on to win by three wickets. And you know, you you only get the points you get, but in terms of the boost that would give the players, having been bowled out for eighty-three to come back and win the game, that's that's really special. That, that's the kind of thing that can turn your season round. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Because Worcester were having a, a little bit of a, a wobble before this game. When you get pulled out for eighty-three. You were expecting the bus to be going home in two and a half days, but to show the character and the fight and the resilience to come back, we've got a lot of good all rounders. We've got a lot of depth in their in their team when it comes to the, the the sort of batting the batting side of it. They've got a little bit of character. I know I was just briefly at Yorkshire for about ten training sessions, twelve training sessions, and the young, young lad Wit, Maddie Wit, that um, he he impressed me not so much by how he performed, but the character he had, typical Yorkshireman, you know, very, very strong in in mind and body and, and, and making sure that, you know, he was difficult to 
difficult to beat. He was always asking questions. He's always wanting to to improve, changing angles of run-ups and you know, the conversations that you have about trying to get better. And he left Yorkshire and went there to, to Worcester and probably because he, he, he wasn't first pick at Yorkshire, but he didn't want to be... Remember a couple of weeks ago when Paul Nixon said, you know, some of these big counties, the lads who have got tracksuits on, they probably don't deserve the track. Not so much don't deserve the tracksuits. He's trying to see a big-time Charlie who weren't playing, who thought they were good and couldn't get in the team. Go and play somewhere else and go and challenge yourself somewhere else. And um, young Matty Wade's done that. And he's been very good for Worcestershire this season, both with bat and ball. Um, so he is somebody I keep an eye on. I said, to see 83 all out, I'm going, oh my word, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, Leicestershire have had a great time. They're going to be second in the league. They're going to go up off Sussex. Everything's going to be rosy. Nico's going to be on our programme saying, what, we're going for a promotion. And then, you know, not long later, Worcester, you know, because of the character and resilience that they've got, you know, can put that to one side, come back, get themselves back in the game. And they managed to sort of force a victory by chasing down 200, 275, which is a, which is a fantastic achievement. Bear in mind, 180 was the, the highest score in the match. Okay, and quickly, Sussex draw with Glamorgan. It was uh, billed, understandably, as uh, Steve Smith against Minus Labashain. Jatesra Pajara was in there as well. Interesting that when Ollie Robinson did bowl, Glamorgan were bowled out for 128, and when <laughs> when he didn't bowl, they made 700. Um, Michael Neese's 100 was a, <laughs> was, a good, was a good story. Kieran Carlson, again, a couple of years ago, you and I were mm-hmm. very, very... Um, impressed with him, 192 from him. The century from Michael Nisa, and obviously Labashain's 138. So um, good fight back from Glamorgan, but it does say something about Sussex's attack without Robinson. Yeah, when you've got when you leave, you have to leave one of your overseas out because obviously you've got one of the world's best batsmen coming over for a few weeks, and then probably England's most potent, dangerous bowler in these conditions, early season conditions, gets injured. You're not going to stack up to get 20 wickets too many times. And I think watching some of the footage, Michael Nisa got 100, but there was some interesting bowling going on there. Not a great advert for county cricket, but unfortunately that's just the way the game was. At the back end, Steve Smith got two wickets in the, in the game, an absolute donkey drop to get Nisa out in the second innings. But I think all in all, I think if Holly Robinson comes through and he's fine, he's fit, then I think England have had not a bad start to the to the summer with the players who they want to play and who they don't want to play. And I think we want Australia to be at their very best because I want this actress to be the best teams playing each other at their at their most confident. Labashin scored some runs. Smith's just scored some runs. And it's going to be interesting to see where Michael Nisa fits in this Ashes conundrum for fire games because Josh Hazelwood is fit, but at this minute in time it's not so much Scott Boland probably knocking on the, the door of replacements for a for Australia. I think I think Michael Nees is not trying to kick it down with the, the the wickets that he's got so far this season. And he got a hundred in this game and you know, ticking on some of it on declaration bowling. But he's got some big scores for for Glamorgan so far this season, valuable runs. I'm not sure how fit Josh Hazelwood is, you know, Harmy. He left the IPL early. He went home to Australia with uh side stiffness or, or soreness um, and <laughs> that left side is, is quite important those intercostals and he's only played two out of the last 14 or 15 test matches for Australia so he's he's had a long battle with fitness now and I always thought he would be crucial to the to the Ashes I, I just think if, if Hazelwood 
Cummins and Stark, if they can keep that band together with Lyon, then Australia, I think they could they could win if they can keep those three together. Mm-hmm. But then Nisa and Boland, I, I must I agree with you, they're very, very useful replacements. Okay, um, for more discussion on the county championship, you can listen to uh, following on the county cricketer here on TalkSport 2, which is also available as a podcast every Wednesday afternoon on the following on feed. A couple of uh, stories as well that caught my eye. Uh, you see the Invisible Man scored runs for the Birmingham Bears as the, the blast kicked off with a du- double header at Edgebaston. Sam Hain, man of the match, but they make 83 off 45 balls. But still, <laughs> Jake Lintot, actually, who we've had on this show, uh, was tweeting, when will this man receive the recognition he deserves? But, well, he's not going to because he's invisible. He is. Uh, it'd be interesting, though, because I think somebody from the ECB might be watching because I've had this great idea of playing two T20 games at a test venue on the TV, razzmatazzy. It's a little bit like fans. So somebody from the ECB might be watching that game. So Sam might have Sam might got a look in. He might, somebody might have thought, ooh, that lad came back. Might be the first time somebody had watched him, to be honest. But now, joking aside, he's in he's in great form. If England's batters were having a rough trot, like the bowling is with injuries, and we're looking at we're having the conversation of going back to someone like Craig Overton, if they were having similar problems with the batting, I'm sure Sam Hain's name would be coming would be coming up. I'd hope to be coming up. You know, we're not championing him, saying that he's a world beater. We don't we don't believe that. He's going to come in, play 100 test matches and average 45, 50. But just to mention his name every now and again wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad start. So I thought it was a, a very, very good spectacle. It's a great idea for me. It's a great idea. You know, when they, they sort of had the 100 idea and they went to the, you know, the, to go to the, 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 the sort of best v best franchise cricket, they have two games one day inside the same stadium. I know you want to try and try and maximise as much money as you possibly can stretch it out but it looked a good good idea it was a good idea it played out to be a good idea and the invisible man stood out and he got a few runs hopefully when somebody was watching 436 runs at an average of 72.6 in the championship this year anyway we'll keep mentioning Sam Hain and finally this week Harmy the curious conundrum of Crawley where are we with Zach this week he made some interesting comments he's not on social media which I think is prudent i think i think more sportsmen and women should should probably consider at least taking a lengthy sabbatical from social media but uh, he he said that he doesn't care what uh, p- people say about him i mean the statistics are so bald they they're just naked out there for i mean he averages 27 in test cricket he's yeah. played over 30 test matches he averages 27 only Mike Brealy has played a similar number of games, averaged less, but he he um, he had a very good another quality. Um, his first class average is thirty, and yet England and Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes have just absolutely backed him to the hilt. You know there there must be half a dozen opening batsmen around the county circuit thinking, "What's he done? What's he done that that I haven't done twice?" Yeah, it's not. What can I do? It doesn't seem to be what can I do to get into this team. It's what does Zach got? What has Zach got to do to get out of it? And Zach's a lovely lad. He's a great lad, and I want him to succeed. Desperately want him to succeed, and I want him to play for him. I do because I think a Zach Crawley, who who's on top of his game and who 
gets England off the good starts. It's so beneficial for the England cricket team. You just said the numbers. Fortunately, 27 in Test match cricket. And I, and, I, and I say this with all due respect, you know, about how tough it is to open a bat in English conditions. I mentioned earlier, you know, the two sirs, Michael Atherton did it, averaged 37, 38. I know you're not going to average 45 opening the bat in England against the Duke Bull. I know that. But there's going to come a time and going to come a point where it's not fair on the individual. And there's times last season, I thought it was unfair on Zach Crawley to wheel him out again. I thought it was, there was times in the winter, I think he, he, would, he would have been better off not playing for his own good. What he said this week, he doesn't care. He's right to say that. I would say that. I don't care what you think. I really don't. Uh, who cares what Steve Armisen thinks on TalkSport? Not really bothered because at the end of the day, this is my career and I'm going to do the best I possibly can. Unfortunately, Zach, we're talking about you because you're not scoring runs. You score runs and we will shout your name to the rooftops, from the rooftops because we know that there's a good player in there. We know that we can. I can see why England want him in the team. Unfortunately, that can only, our thought, that could only last for so long. It's lasted six months longer than I thought it could last. And let's hope he comes through at the other end of it because, but at this, at this minute in time, there's nothing for me to see that I am confident that Zach's going to go and blast Australia. Because when I watched him in streams for Kent, he's making the same mistakes he was getting out with the weeks, months and even last couple of years before. So it's a hard one. It really is a hard one. But another angle of that matters is who actually replaces him. And I'm not a big I'm not a big one for you pick him because you've got nobody else. So you you drop him and then you find somebody else. But there's not many knocking on the door to say I need to be back in. Sibley's not knocking on the door. Burns is not knocking on the door. Leeds has had a little bit of a go. Jones is probably the next best. Big ass to go and play an Ashes series for a first up. And then I, I I could also possibly see this conundrum when it comes to if they do eventually can't pick Zach anymore. If Ben Stokes can't bowl, then England might be short of one bowler. They might have to then pick five bowlers. And you might find someone like Chris Wokes or Sam Curran come into the equation and everybody have to move up one because they have to have another bowler in the team. And Zach might have to make way that way. Right, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talk Four Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you have missed any of the show and you want to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. So we'll be back at the same time next week for more build up to the Ashes, and uh, we'll hear exclusively from England bowler Stuart Broad. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.